Al-Bayan Radio presents Prophetic Pearls, a brief explanation of the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi presented by Nidal Ayyubi. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Salatu wa salamu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Assalamu alaikum dear brothers and sisters and welcome back to our series Prophetic Pearls, a brief explanation of the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawi, rahimuhullah. This is our fifth episode and we have reached hadith number five. Whoever introduces in this matter of ours. Al-Hadith al-Khamis An Ummi al-Mu'mineen Ummi Abdullah Aisha radiyallahu anha Qalat Qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Man ahdatha fi amrina Hatha ma laysa minh Fahuwa radd رواه البخاري ومسلم وفي رواية لمسلم من عمل عملا ليس عليه أمرنا فهو رد On the authority of the mother of the faithful Um Abdullah Aisha May Allah be pleased with her Who said The messenger of Allah sallallahu said Whoever introduces anything into this matter of ours That is not from it She'll have it rejected Recorded by Al-Bukhari and Muslim In one version by Muslim it states Whoever does an act that is not in accord with our matter, we have it rejected. This hadith, my dear brothers and sisters, is one of the foundations of Islam. And it is like the judge or the scale for external acts performed by mankind. In the same way that the first hadith we discussed regarding intention is the scale or the judge of the internal aspects. This hadith is the judge of the external aspects. So from the first hadith, we understand that every act that is not done for the sake of Allah is rejected. We discussed this in hadith number one, episode number one. So from this hadith, we can understand that every act that is done, which is not in accordance with the sharia, will be rejected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So every act of worship that a person does, that is not in accordance with the Quran and the sunnah, will be rejected. So every act that the Prophet ﷺ did not bring, that is not part of the Prophet's religion, cannot in reality be part of the religion whatsoever. It's as simple as that. Imam Nawir stated that this hadith should be memorized by all Muslims. It is a must in refuting evil practices. It is commonly used as evidence for a number of issues. And some of the ulama called it half of the sharia evidences. Because evidences are sought to either affirm or deny the permissibility of a specific act. And this hadith is a major premise in that process. Ashokani pointed out that one cannot enumerate because there are so many all of the rulings that are directly derived from this one hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And later on in the series we shall discuss another hadith, hadith twenty eight, which also speaks about innovations ta'ala. Now who is the narrator of this hadith? Her name is Aisha, the daughter of Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiyallahu anhumah. She is Ummul Mu'mineen. She is the mother of the faithful Umm Abdullah radiyallahu anha. And this was her kunya. Now the scholars differed why she was called Umm Abdullah. Some said it was because of her nephew Abdullah ibn Zubair radiyallahu anhu. But it was known that she never had a child. Aisha radiyallahu anha was the most beloved wife of the Prophet She was born nine years before the Hijrah and she died in the year 58 after Hijrah. So she was born 613 CE and died in 678 CE. 
She married the Prophet at a young age and was able to fully mature and develop under his guidance. Hence, she became a great narrator of hadith and a jurist. She was a great, great scholar. She was also very knowledgeable of Arabic history, and there are over 2,000 hadith which have been narrated by her. Another term, Ummul Mu'mineen, this is the term that's used for all the Prophet's wives. She is the Siddiqah, the truthful one, and her father was the truthful Siddiq, and she was the most beloved. The Prophet, he was asked, Who's the most beloved person to you? And he said, Aisha, and he was asked from the men, he said, Her father, Abu Bakr, as Siddiq, may Allah be pleased with them. So as we said, this hadith is a great, great principle from among the principles of the religion. And it is yet another example of the perfect and concise speech of the Prophet Because this hadith, as we said in very few words, it's a clear rejection of innovation in all its forms. Now, first narration mentioned by Mamanam. Whoever innovates or introduces something in this matter of ours, meaning Islam, that is not of it, will have it rejected. So this is regarding the one who introduces something into Islam from the acts of worship that is not from it, it will have it rejected. Now someone may come and say, I didn't introduce the action, I didn't introduce this bid'ah, this innovation in worship, I'm only following, I'm following my father, my, my mother, whatever it may be, my shaykh. So the blame is not upon me, it's the, upon the person who initiated the action. And we say to him, we say to them, that the next version of this hadith mentioned by Imam Nawi refutes this, refutes this argument that many people may use, where the Prophet ﷺ said, Man amila amalan laysa alayhi amruna Whoever does an act, whoever does an action, whoever performs an action, which we have not come with, which Prophet ﷺ did not come with, which is not in the Quran, which is not in the Sunnah, Whoever does an act which we have not commanded will have it rejected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the question I may ask, what is bid'ah? What is innovation? I hear many things they may say. I hear this and I hear that. Good innovation, bad innovation. What is bid'ah? Bid'ah, as the ulama have said, is anything that has no basis in the Quran, Sunnah, or the sayings of the companions. Imam Shafir, he said, a bid'ah is anything that has no basis in the Quran, Sunnah, or sayings of the companions. Ibn Jawzi rahimahullah he said a bid'ah is any form of worship that did not exist at the time of the Prophet and his companions. Then later it was innovated. Ibn Rajab he said a bid'ah is any form of worship which has no basis in the sharia which would warrant its legislation. Ash-Shatabi he said a bid'ah is any matter which closely resembles the sharia and is intended to be a way of worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As we mentioned in our previous episodes, that for an act of worship to be accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it must be done sincerely for him. And secondly, it must be done in accordance with the sunnah of the Prophet My dear brothers and sisters, the actions or the forms of ibadah or worship that we do should be done in accordance with the sharia, with the Prophet bring the Quran, the sunnah. And we must ensure that it is in agreement with five aspects. So this is like a checklist that will keep our actions in check. Firstly, must agree with the time as zaman. So for example, the five prayers are to be prayed at their fixed times. Ramadan is to be fasted in Ramadan. I can't fast Ramadan or fast the whole month in Muharram, for example, thinking that it's it's for Ramadan. I can't perform Hajj in another time period. I've got to perform in a certain time, which is from the 8th of Dhul Hijjah until the 12th or 13th day of Dhul Hijjah. So the act of worship we do must be in agreement with the Sharia in regards to the specified time. 
must also be in agreement with the specified place the Sharia has given this act of worship. So if the Sharia has specified a certain act of worship to be performed at a certain place, then it must be done in that place. For example, Hajj. I can't do Hajj in Australia or Sydney. I have to do Hajj in Mecca, in the places where the Prophet ﷺ performed Hajj. We have Mecca, Masjid al-Haram. We have Arafah, Muzdalifah, Mina. These are the places for Hajj. Hajj is performed in accordance with how the Prophet ﷺ performed it and where he performed it. So the act of worship has to be in the place which it has been specified for in the Sharia. Also, Atikaf is another good example. I can't perform Atikaf at my workshop or my bedroom. It has to be in the masjid. Also, for many ibadat, a certain quantity has been mentioned. So the quantity has to be met, has to be in agreement with the Sharia. For example, when I pray Fajr, it's two rak'ah. I can't pray five. Duhr is four. I can't come and want to pray Duhr and say, you know what, I feel like doing more today. I'll pray five rak'ah for Duhr. No, it is rejected because the Sharia specified the quantity of this act of worship. It is four units or four rak'at. It is two for Fajr, four for Duhr, four for Asr, three for Maghrib, four for Isha. Likewise with Tawaf, I have to go around seven times around the Kaaba. I can't come and be, today I have a bit of energy, I'm feeling pumped up and motivated, I'm going to do it 73 times. Thinking the more the better. No, seven, that's the Tawaf. Also, the act of worship has to be in accordance with the Sharia in regards to the way it is performed. Al-Kayfiyyah. So every act of worship that the Prophet ﷺ, he showed us how to perform it, we must do it in that way. For example, Salatul Janazah. The funeral prayer, when someone dies, he's washed and we pray, janazah prayer on him. Janazah prayer has no ruku' or sujood. We stand. This is how the Prophet ﷺ performed it. I can't come and pray it in a certain other way. I can only pray it in how the Prophet ﷺ prayed it. Pray as you have seen me pray, the Prophet ﷺ said. And the final category or aspect is that the act of worship we're going to perform has to be in the same type, in the same jins. For example, if Islam specified a certain type of animal to be slaughtered, that's the animal that needs to be slaughtered. For example, al-udhiyah or the qurban should be from behemoth al-an'am, meaning camels, cows, goats, and sheeps. We can't come and slaughter something else. So this is briefly regarding our acts or our forms of ibadah that should be done in accordance with the sharia in regards to its time, zaman, its makan, place, its quantity, and its kayfiyyah, its way, and its jins, its type. Now, in the Quran and Sunnah, there are many severe warnings against bid'ah, against innovations in worship. And we must point out here that we are speaking regarding innovations in worship. For example, someone may come and say, it's an innovation to drive a car, to bid'ah to drive a car, or go on an aeroplane. Because at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, they used to ride camels and horses and mules. We say no. We are speaking in regards to ibadah, acts of worship. The Quran and Sunnah is full of ayat and ahadith which warn against the dangers of bid'ah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, On the day, some faces will turn white and some faces will turn black. As for whose faces turn black, to them it will be said, Did you disbelieve after your belief? Then taste the punishment for what you used to reject. 
Ibn Abbas عنه, he said concerning this ayah that the faces of the people who adhere to the sunnah will turn white and bright, while the faces of the innovators, those who innovated in the religion, will turn black and gloomy. May Allah protect us. Imam Al-Qurtubi, he also said, he who innovates or changes anything of the religion of Allah will be amongst the black-faced people who will be prevented from reaching the Prophet's fountain and therefore prohibited from drinking from it. Allah also said, and whoever opposes the messenger after guidance has become clear to him and follows other than the way of the believers will give him what he has taken and drive him into hell and evil it is as a destination Ibn Kathir said about this ayah this refers to those who take a path other than the one which the messenger of Allah came with so they became on one side and the Sharia on the other, despite the fact that the truth had become clear to them and they knew this. Prophet ﷺ, he said, I will be ahead of you in reaching my fountain and there will be people who will be prevented from reaching it. Therefore I will say, my Lord, these are my followers. It will be said, you do not know what they innovated and altered after you, meaning after your death. Therefore I will say, let those, the Prophet ﷺ will say, let those who altered the religion, who innovated in this religion, be kept away in a humiliated place. We seek Allah's protection. This hadith is from Bukhari and Muslim. So those who innovate in this religion will be refused and turned back at the fountain of the Prophet Now what about those who say there is good innovation? We say to them that every innovated action in worship is a bad innovation. There's no such thing. Because the Prophet said in another narration, فَإِنَّ كُلَّ مُحْدَثَةٍ Every newly invented matter is an innovation and every innovation is misguidance. So whoever says there's good innovation is actually contradicting this saying in the Prophet ﷺ where he said and every newly invented matter, every bid'ah is an innovation and every innovation is misguidance. So this contradicts the saying of the Prophet ﷺ to say that there is a good innovation. Because no innovation is good, my dear brothers and sisters. Every innovation is misguidance and is rejected according to the text of this hadith. But sadly, many people try to, to defend the innovations and adorn it. And they say, for example, regarding the innovation of celebrating the birthday of the Prophet ﷺ, they say it is a good innovation because it is evidence of love of the Messenger ﷺ. We say basically to them that if you say that to truly love the Prophet ﷺ, you have to celebrate his birthday, we say to them, Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman and Ali, they did not celebrate his birthday. Does that mean they don't love the Prophet ﷺ? Are you better than Abu Bakr? Are you better than Umar? Are you better than Uthman? Are you better than Ali? Are you better than the other companions and matabi'een and the other great scholars? Also the ulama, may Allah have mercy upon them, said this hadith is to do with worship, ibadah. In other words, every ibadah is haram, is prohibited. Every act of worship is haram, prohibited, forbidden. Put a stop sign, don't do it, unless what? Unless there is proof for it in the Quran and Sunnah. What about mu'amalat? What about worldly transactions and dealings? The opposite. When it comes to worldly transactions, mankind is free to meet their needs in any way, in any way they wish, as long as it does not violate, does not go against certain principles laid down by the Sharia. For example, you can 
do a business transaction, but keep away from riba. So we also benefit from this hadith that every deed a person performs must be in accordance with the sharia, regardless of the type of deed. If it is not in accordance with the sharia, it is rejected. And the opposite, if the action is in accordance with the sharia, in accordance with the Quran and sunnah and the way of the companions, and you have the right intention, then you'll be rewarded bi ta'ala. Also, this hadith points to a very important principle that we should seek knowledge to know what is sunnah and what is bid'ah. Sadly, many people today, they replace a sunnah with bid'ah. And as the ulama said many, many times, what happens when you practice a bid'ah innovation, it comes at the expense of a sunnah. That's why many, many of the sunnah, many of the, the, the sunnahs of the Prophet are unknown to many, but many innovations are known and widespread and they are not from Islam. So to summarize and conclude, my dear brothers and sisters, an act is clearly part of the religion of Islam if it has acceptable evidence from the Quran and Sunnah and Ijma' consensus and what can be derived from those sources. Also, if an, if an act is inconsistent with the Quran and Sunnah, it is void and worthless. The act will be rejected by Allah and it will bear no reward and have no legal effect. And finally, the one who introduces such an innovation and the one who practices it later are all equal in having the innovation rejected, as we mentioned. In other words, my dear brothers and sisters, anything newly invented and added to Islam that is not from the Quran and Sunnah will not be accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also, anything newly incorporated into this deen must be thrown away and rejected by all Muslims. Because this deen is complete, Allah completed it, the Prophet ﷺ made it clear there is no room for subtractions and additions. We ask Allah to make us from His true followers, the true followers of the Quran and Sunnah, the way of the companions, and those who followed them in righteousness until this day. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.